What's up, guys? It's Casey, and I'm not sure if you know this because we don't do a great job of marketing it, but here I am to let you know that we have some badass tutors on our website. And if you are looking for that one-on-one special quality time to ask all your dying questions, set up a study plan, help you figure out where to start, help you break down a mock exam, maybe you didn't pass and it just wasn't your time, which is okay, they will help you get back on the horse and get you to pass your test once and for all. So head over to www.studynotesaba.com. Under resources, you're going to find tutoring and you can book with any of our really amazing tutors. They've all gone through the collective so they know their shit. Love you. Mean it. Mwah. Study Notes ABA. ABA in a little X-rated way. It's behavior, bitches. Hey, guys. It's Liat. And Casey. And we are here with episode 159. Casey, what do you have for us today? All right, episode 159, Let the Queen Be Shine. Okay, Let the Queen Be Shine. Not bad, Casey. You've definitely done worse than that before. Let the Queen Be Shine. I wonder what we're talking about. And we're not talking about Mean Girls and the Queen Bee. So it's very literal. So before we get into anything today, I would like to give us some, I mean, you guys don't know when we're recording, like sometimes we'll have a lot in the bank and then sometimes we're like, okay, time to like re-up in our podcast bank and today's one of those days. So we have been working on other projects like our eight-hour supervision, um, our ethics modules, all different things. We have a lot of new products coming out. So we have not been podcasting. So we have to see if like our vibe is still there. But to make sure that we have that reinforcement to keep ourselves going, why don't you give us a review of the day? So like Liat said, because we had so many in the bank and now we're re-upping, I get to check the reviews again. I don't do it on the regular. Um, But I was so excited to see so many new reviews that came in. So let's read one. This is from JLS Runner. He says, or she says, I'm not sure who it is, but I've just finished my master's degree in special ed with a concentration in ABA. Wish I'd known about this podcast when I started. Concepts I had a hard time remembering are now clear as crystal for me. I listen to this as I travel between schools, gathering supervision hours, and I love it, mean it. Well, thank you so much for this review. It means so much to us and we love you, mean it. And get your hours, amazing. Maybe you might use our supervision tracker that we just launched to help you get those hours. This is true. And thanks for leaving the review. And anyone, if you have not left a review yet, I'm back at it, desperate for all of you to leave a review. It literally is the joy that we get in our days. So go leave a five-star review or no review at all. Buzz off, Liat. It's time for the behavior robot. Today, behavioral principles covered are CMOR, SDP, discriminations, desensitization, adaptation, maintenance, selectionism. This is the behavior robot shutting down and reminding you to be yourself. 
today's guest, this has, I know we say it sometimes, and it really is true that sometimes things are like long in the making, like either like life comes up in between. Um, but this is a topic that I have, I could say that I've wanted to do for over two years because I actually got something in my time hop the other day. Like, you know, it shows you like a picture of whatever you had taken pictures of like two years ago on whatever day, but this was like a couple months back. And it was a picture. I had like the most amazing experience because I had moved into my house and I noticed that there was some bees outside my window. And like, I was like, they seem to be coming out of this one thing. And it was like directly outside of like my master bedroom window, which is like literally like a fishbowl. My bedroom has like a creepy large like bay window. And I got to watch, I had this person come in. I was like, okay, I could call like an infumigate, like, you know, like a like pest control. But I was like, for some reason, I do not know what part of me was like, I should probably call like a bee specific person. And I got to watch them open this, like my, was it like an electric box or something? And I'm talking like so many bees. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I stood there asking the guy a million questions about bees after and I was like, Casey, we have to do a podcast on bees. Like, we have to find someone who knows things about bees and works with bees. And that leads us to our guest today. So we ha- who do we have here, Case? Well, so like Leah was saying, it has been, wow, I think we interviewed them over a year ago. And then life happens um, and just back and forth didn't work out. And then I had... I. I'm really bad at checking the behavior bitches email because I'm always on the study notes email. But I went back in there and saw that they had reached out. Leon had also brought it up to me and I was like, oh my gosh, they did. Okay, they do want to come on. So who do we have today? We have Jeff and Julie Russell and they are also known as Mr. and Mrs. Bee Rescue. They rescue honeybees year round in San Diego, California. Jeff has 18 years experience. I think it's 19 now that I might have seen on their Instagram in live bee removal. And Julie is a new bee. Get it? They have a buzzing Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, and Facebook sharing bee rescue adventures and education. And we could not be more excited for these (laughs) guests. Welcome to the show. Could I be any more corny? (laughs) Love the bee puns. Leah and Casey, (laughs) we're happy to be here finally. Oh, yeah. Always encouraged to go with bee puns. I have to. I could not write this intro without it. Every word was like, bee, bee. We need new ones, too. So bring them our way. All right. I will. It's just like so easy beasy, you know, like when you're (laughs) making these up, it's just like, wow. (laughs) Okay, I'm done for now. (laughs) All right. So tell us about what what you guys do. Well, so we get calls around the county and we've purposely set it up this way uh, where people see our website or our social media. And just like Liat in your situation, you saw some bees and people were like, I don't think bees are supposed to be living in my house. So they call us. We go out. We check it out first. We want to make sure that they're actually honeybees because sometimes it's wasp. And then we assess. And when we get out there, we want to know especially the age of the beehive, because that dictates a lot of how easy it's going to be, how long it's going to take. And of course, we charge money, so the price. And once we figure out the age, we also figure out the construction of the house, if it's in the house. Or in your case, it sounds like it was in like a meter box. Those are really simple and straightforward. And then we 
figure out if we're going to have to hire somebody else or if we can handle everything on our own as far as like deconstruction and repair. And we, we get the bees out safely by cutting open wherever they're at or lifting open wherever they're at. We take each sheet of honeycomb, give it a little shake. The bees cascade off the honeycomb into our little box. And we use these cardboard boxes because they're just super easy to transport. And we're just watching for the queen like the whole time until we find her. And that's always a really fun part of the bee rescue. It's a lot of detective work. Oh, yeah. And then it really. So when you're going and assessing, I just want to know, because like also anyone who's like listening right now, this is no like small social media thing. Like I saw like your last video had like 45 million views. (laughs) What? (laughs) No, I don't know if it's your last one or one that's pinned. But like on TikTok, like, I mean, you have more likes than there are bees in the world, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) or views. No, trust me, I save that many bees per per month. Yeah. I mean, it was insane, but like, how are you deciding when you go to a job? You're like, hmm, today seems like a good day for me not to wear my beekeeper suit. That's a good question. (laughs) And it's based on your behavior. Behavior. (laughs) Tell me, based on how are you choosing... Looking at, I mean, we love behavior over here. That is actually a great uh, episode name because we're yeah. behavior. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's a good question. And I swear, okay, this is like an aside, but I swear the more that I just don't wear my suit, it's almost like the bees just naturally respond to not stinging. So it's just, it's weird. Whenever I don't wear a suit, it seems like they're totally chill. Um except for a couple times. But uh, usually what I'll do is, I'll, like Julie said, their behavior. I, I walk up, I purposely get a little close, not like uncomfortably close. And if I'm five feet away and one comes and bumps me in the head, I'm putting my suit on. But if I can stand there for a minute, five feet away, and none of them are bothered by it, they're totally chill, then I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to wear my suit. Just because... A long time ago, I learned that um, the suit can trigger bees sometimes if it still has some alarm, like attack pheromone on it, because they smell that from another beehive that I previously wow. went to, and that triggers them. But also, it was just too hot in the summertime to, to yeah. wear a bee suit and do you know, four to five bee rescues per day. Oh. Just way yeah. too hot. And I was like, screw this. I'm taking my suit off. These bees seem chill. And then I started realizing just how many of the beehives I was working with were actually way more chill than I thought. So that's kind of how it became and how I can also tell whether or not the bees are going to be friendly. But like I said, it's kind of weird. When I don't wear my bee suit, even if it's an older hive, it seems mm-hmm. like they're just like, oh, cool, man. Okay. Yeah, we won't sting you. And that's not always the case, though. But um, yeah, like when you're not wearing your suit, you're also forced to be more careful and gentle. You're way more aware of what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. that really helps. Whereas like when you're wearing a suit, you're kind of bumping into things a little bit more than you would without. Yeah, that's such a good point. I watch other beekeepers work with their suit on and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was that heavy handed with the bees, they would get ticked off. Like I, you know, I, when I'm not wearing a suit, like Julie said, I'm so careful when I put my 
hands onto the honeycomb, I'm shuffling each finger to bump the bees out of the way so that I could get deeper onto the honeycomb to get a better grip. And they don't mind, you know, I just nudge them out of the way and they're totally cool with it. And, but sometimes, but (laughs) if if you're heavy handed with it and you're Mm -hmm. just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, then it's just not going to go well. And the bees really do not like to be pressed, you know, where, where you squeeze down on them or you squish them. That'll just really excite the hive and get them in defense mode. So I want to have a question. This is a behavioral concept. Are you thinking? I know. I'm going to do it right now. So we always (laughs) like to pull in. So we are in the field of applied behavior analysis. And a lot of people that listen to our podcast are studying for their exam. And what you guys just said, and I want to know if Leah and I are on the same page here. Okay. Let's Um, do one, two, three, and see if we have the same concept. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. CMOR. CMOR. (laughs) Okay, good. We can keep our jobs at our test prep. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, Um, yeah. So a CMOR, basically what that is, is a conditioned motivating operation reflexive. So it's something that's learned. So these bees were not born knowing that your suit signals that shit's about to get worse, right? They learned it because people come in with suits. The suit seems to be like the precursor. No, but the suit also has that smell on it. They said it has like that. And so it's like a signal that like shit's about to get worse. So they're like, all right, you want to get worse? We're about to, we'll show you worse. (laughs) And like, it increases the behavior, which is like escape and avoidance. So like the suit, like you said, is a signal for them. Whereas if you just come in without the suit, they seem more calm. Yeah. And I think that would definitely have to do due to the smell. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Because I'm like, maybe they haven't seen, maybe they haven't seen the suit before, but the smell is like that in like unnatural. No, it's like that innate, like a, Survival mechanism, I'm assuming. Yeah, they smell the alarm pheromone, which smells kind of like bananas to us. Oh, oh I think you told us that. Yeah. That the bananas, like a, does that mean like they're going to be mad? Yeah, it's kind of like an indicator to defend the hive. Yeah, it is, is there- uncanny how close it smells to banana peel, their alarm pheromone. So that's a, a pheromone that they secrete to indicate danger and, hey, troops, assemble, attack. And mm-hmm. it is crazy how close it smells to banana peel. If you walked up to a, a very defensive beehive and you had a banana peel, legitimately they would come after you. Holy crap. So, so we I- could say that that's a CMOR for them too, Case, because like ultimately it's letting them know like shit's about to get worse, like back off. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I don't know if they necessarily back off, but they're trying to say something. What up, guys? Liat here. I wanted to let you guys in on something in case you've missed it and you haven't been scrolling the ground. Have you been studying for your BCBA exam or you are studying for your BCBA exam and you are ready to pass the effing test or you already passed, but you want something to look forward to at the end? We have you all set up. Have you seen our BCBA boxes? Our BTBA boxes are so effing cute, if I say so myself, maybe because I was heavily involved with creating every single aspect of it. I mean, it has the BCBA balloons. Did you even pass the exam if you don't have a picture with the BCBA balloons? It has a specified shot glass. It has socks that say funny things on the feet, bad words, so you know I'd never say it on this podcast. It has all the different things you need when passing the test, and you can set yourself up for the cutest 
picks ever to celebrate the big day. Uh, a lot of people like to get it before they pass and they have it ready to go to pop the popper once they pass the test, pop the popper before popping the champagne, if you know what I mean. All right, guys, so go over to our website, studynotesaba.com. Check out our BCBA boxes. It's a great gift for someone as well who you know is studying for the test. And we'll see you around. I just want to know, how do you know and how do you know the age of the hive? Yeah, that's a good question. It's it's usually pretty apparent and it's based on where their entrance is, where they land is kind of like the front doormat or the carpet in your house. You know, bees don't have a doormat to wipe their feet on. The doormat is the landing pad at the entrance of the, the hive. And if you imagine the longer and the more people go through your your house, your carpet's going to get dirty. So the entrance to the hive, if it's brand new, clean, not a speck of dust on it or, you know, dirty, then we know it's pretty new. It's less than a month old. But once we start seeing a little bit of a stain, it's a few months old. And mm-hmm. if it's like a big black stain, it's over a year old. It's a couple years old. And we can tell by that stain. And if we can't see the stain, like if it's tucked up in a really tight spot, um, we can also usually see with a flashlight their, their propolis. And their propolis is a thicker substance that they use to kind of block off spaces to block off entry from ants and other critters trying to sneak into the hive to steal honey. And that accumulates over time. It's not like they build it like right away to build a blockade. So if there's a big line or thick area of propolis, then we can tell that that hive has been there for quite some time. And that's just um, trying to figure out the hive before we even open the structure. But once we open the structure, we can kind of tell how old they are based on the color of the comb. So darker comb when it's like brown to black, we know it's an old hive. Yeah. And that's because the number of cycles that they've used it, where they fill it up either with brood, you know, larva or honey, and they Mm. use it up, fill it up, use it up, fill it up, use it up. And the more cycles, the darker the comb gets, especially the the larva area gets especially dark over time. So are, so they're laying larva or they're having, I just want to make sure I'm using the words right. So like, They'll have babies in the hive. Yeah. They'll have parts of the hive that are designated for their food, like their honey and pollen. And it could even be on the same piece of comb. They'll also have a nursery where they're raising their male and female bees and and queens at times. So can you, there's like, there's like a whole hierarchy here. It seems like an entire like, <laughs> like that yeah like and i mean even the b movie so i watched the b movie for the first time after i had that b thing outside my window i became like on this like b kick you know and i was like then i'd like google things so, like it's actually true what they're saying in this movie which was kind of crazy <laughs> so i've actually never seen the b movie have you of course I have. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to hierarchy I think a lot of people think that the queen has a lot of decision making, but she actually doesn't. They're 
a lot like a democracy. So it's like a big hive mind where they all make a decision together. Um, so the worker bees are actually, uh, which they make like 99% of the hive, which are female bees. They're the ones making the decisions um, on what to do, whether it's um, how many, like how many female bees the queen is laying or male bees the queen is laying eggs for. They're making the decisions by building certain size cells in the comb because um, smaller cells indicate female bees, larger cells indicate male bees. So that's just one example of how they they actually work together versus like the queen makes the decisions. She's Wait, actually- but what do you mean? Like they could choose like I'm going to have a, a female bee now? Yeah, the there's eggs that are in the queen that are fertilized. Those, when she lays them, become worker bees, the females that can sting. And the unfertilized eggs- Of course eggs- the female bees are the workers. I mean, come on. I mean, <laughs> well, I like- The workers and raising the kids. I mean, this is just- uh... <laughs> All right, yes, yeah, but keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the coolest animals in the animal kingdom, lions and honeybees, the, the, the females do the work. <laughs> so what well, does that tell you? Humans are the females too, so- <laughs> But um, yeah, so the ones so that don't sing are are drones, and drones. they're large too. And so a lot of people mistake them when they're learning uh, for queens because they're much larger than a worker bee, and they they don't really serve much of a person. They don't really serve much of a purpose inside the hive, other than they have to go find a queen to mate with. Not necessarily their own queen because that's incest, and they try to avoid that whenever possible but mm. they just we all? yeah <laughs> <laughs> they, i hope <laughs> i do whenever possible <laughs> and uh yeah the drones basically just sit around play video games and eat all day so they they only serve <laughs> one purpose to mate with queens <laughs> it's a big sacrifice because they end up dying when they do mate oh yeah, their genitalia explodes after mating Holy shit. So why would Wait, they want to mate? But are, and are there enough queen bees for them to mate with that like all these drones can find a queen bee to mate with? Well, Do- not every drone will mate. So there's a lot of uh, male bees that won't do the mating with the bees. And so, um, but a queen bee will mate with, they say about 30 drones. Um and she only mates once in her life, just to like diversify the genetic pool. Wow, it's like crazy to think of these tiny, tiny little things having like sex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the air. By the way, they do it mid-air. Holy shit! That which we've amazing. tried, and it doesn't work for us. <laughs> <laughs> what, this, is, this is like so intricate. Like it's like. Like this is what I'm. This is what I remember being like. They're just like such intelligent animals or insects, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Like I mean, like so. The okay. So what is the queen's job in the hive? So she is a cog in the machine, but she really is the most important cog in the machine, and her job is only to lay eggs and. 
she goes along with what the bees are trying to tell her to do. For instance, when they're going to find a new home, people think, oh, the queen chooses a spot. No, she she just follows them. They lead the way. They pick out the spot. So her job is to ensure that they continue on. The babies continue on. There's always a flow of bees hatching. And Mm -hmm. there comes a time in the spring, usually, when she lays other eggs that can become queens. And those queens will hatch. And her tendency is to try and go fight those queens for dominance over the hive for self-preservation. And Mm -hmm. one of those queens will take off and split in half with half the colony and find another place to live. But she is definitely the most important cog in the machine because the bees will direct her where to go, but if they can't find her or she's not being cooperative, they come back to her. So a lot of the times we we can get things started by getting a lot of bees into a box and sometimes just drive the queen into the box because we know she'll follow the bees. But there's a point, usually about a half hour to an hour in, where it switches. If the queen isn't in the, in the box, the bees are like, we don't like this. And they'll start coming out of the box trying to find the queen. But it goes both ways, where the queen will follow the bees and the bees will follow the queen. But she is super important for keeping the hive going because none of the other female worker bees and obviously none of the drones can lay eggs to reproduce and keep the hive going. Well, female bees can lay eggs, but they can't lay fertilized eggs, which are female bees. Yeah. So they're, you know, we call them false laying worker bees. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they'll lay those eggs in, in just desperation and those will hatch as drones and obviously drones can't keep the hive going. And a hive on its own will only last a few months without a queen. This uh, sounds like my reproductive system. <laughs> laying, fertilize, laying eggs that don't fertilize. Sweet. Awesome. <laughs> don't worry. The whole podcast people know my journey, so it's fine. Okay. Um, this is... Okay. Sorry. I just, I'm still going back to this. So an egg... Let me just make sure I understand this. An egg that is not fertilized will be a male. Mm-hmm. Okay, then if the eggs are fertilized, it could be a worker bee. And then can some of those worker bees be like, oh, wow, I could be a queen bee? Um, well, the worker bee, if they want to raise a queen, they actually build a very special, specific cell that kind of looks like a peanut. Mm-hmm. And the queen will lay a fertilized egg And they have to feed it a specific diet for her to develop her ovaries and become a queen bee. Yeah. And instead of the cell being oriented horizontally like the worker and drone cells, this cell hangs upside down and is extra large. So with the space and the food that they feed her, those two things kind of trigger um, the genes to say this is a female with ovaries. The workers can't develop ovaries, but the queen can develop ovaries. And it all happens in that incubation stage where, you know, if a worker bee is born, she can't decide, you know, that she's a queen. 
She can, however, take a worker bee larva when it's in its early stages, remove it from a worker bee cell, and then go put it into a queen cell, overfeed it that royal jelly, and and then cap yes, it. Yes, the royal jelly. What? Okay, so is it kind of like the idea, like goldfish? I mean, not talking about mating wise, but like they'll grow to the size of the tank, right? Like you could have one in a little thing at your. Like, is it also like this environment essentially? It's a little bigger of a space, so it's going to grow bigger, allowing for the growth of the ovaries. Is that what you're saying? It kind of triggers those genes. Um, you know, we're we're built differently um, to where whatever you get at, at um, what's the word um, conception, uh, whatever happens at conception, like we're going to become A or B, a boy or a girl. We got half a mom's, half a dad's genes. And that's it. But yeah, with with a lot of insects, I think when they trans when they get into that stage where they're kind of, um, for instance, caterpillars transforming um, into butterflies, I guess it just triggers those kind of genes that say, "Hey, guess what? You're special now." Wow. And what is this royal jelly? Julie, do you have a better idea of that? Because I think you do. <laughs> well, it's um they the worker bees are the only ones that can secrete it. And it is they also feed it to the young, but with the queen especially, they really pile it on and they try to limit it to mostly just royal jelly. And they try not to feed her a lot of honey. And you will you'll never see the queen bee eating honey. You know, whenever we spill honey inside of a beehive, it doesn't matter where when it's it happening, but you you just won't see a queen eating honey. All the bees feed her directly. So- I believe it's the nurse bees, the ones that are taking care of the the nursery. Mm-hmm. So I think it uh I need to do a little bit more research on this part, but uh, worker bees will have certain stages in their life where they are able to do certain things. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what stage they are able to to secrete royal jelly. They have these glands, I believe, around their head where they're able to secrete this jelly, which we call royal jelly, and feed the nurse bees as well as the queen bee. Um, yeah. Honeybees, they basically graduate into the next position. So they're born... They're just kind of like hanging around, learning things. Then they graduate to taking care of the nursery, you know, all the other young bees and larvae. And then they get to graduate to maybe tending to the queen. And then eventually the worker bees all graduate to foraging to where they go out, they fly out, fly around and find food to bring back to the hive. But yeah, that's a good Good question. I don't know if they continue to have the ability to provide royal jelly to the queen, but it's definitely the workers that go around and feed her and make sure she's taken care of. Are you so tired of flipping through your Cooper and Ethics book while you're studying? Yeah, well, guess what? So are we. We created the coolest coloring and activity book. So you get to color in your amazing notes while doing awesome activities to keep your studying interesting and fun AF. 
Oh, are you wondering about the CMOT, right? You now have a coloring book and you're gonna need something that's really valuable. We have the best dual brush markers ever. Yeah, you can get it as a bundle too. We've got you. Head over to www.studynotesaba.com, look up the coloring and activities book and get yours today. You won't regret it. Love you, mean it. I, this morning, was watching a lot of TED Talks on, there's like a B channel on TED Talks. And um, there's a couple of things, and I, I know you guys are clearly, I would hope, on the save the bee side and like, that's what you're doing every day is saving the bees. Um, but what I thought was really cool is this like system of healthcare and hygiene that bees have, um, like the ability to discriminate sick bees and get them out of the hive. Is that, do you know anything about that? Yeah, I was just uh, reading up on this the other day about a, a new theory with Varroa mites. Um, silver row mites are probably one of the biggest issues with beehives. They They're can, like the parasite that is, right? Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's, okay. it is tiny. It's like a little small tick almost. And it, you, you can see in some of our footage, there's l a little thing on the back of their heads. Um, and I saw that some beehives have learned, I think it was in Norway or Sweden, um, that they can open up a cell where a larva is incubating and mm -hmm. there will be a varroa mite in it and that's why they're opening it. So they open it prematurely and for some reason, the varroa mite has a really specific need for humidity. And so it just, just slightly dries it out enough that the varroa mite just backs out, pieces out and leaves. Mm -hmm. And and then they recap it, and that larva will actually hatch without a varroa mite attached to it. Oh, yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah. yeah that is really cool. and, and it's really good news for right. a hive learning how to deal with it on its own because beekeepers yeah. are always trying all sorts of stuff. There's acids that they'll spray into a hive that doesn't kill the bees, but it'll get rid of the varroa mites. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just... So much maintenance, if you do it on a larger scale, you know, to yeah. take care of tons and tons of varroa mites inside beehives. So bees can do it on their own. That's yeah. a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They self do a really good job in keeping the hive clean. Yeah. Self hygiene and maintenance uh, equals a very thriving lineage of honeybees. So they're excited about this. And it's also happened somewhere else, but I forgot the other country. And then another quick one, because you said the word and I had it written down, um, the pro propolis. Pro oh, yeah. Propolis. Propolis. So what I was listening to earlier said that like humans have, you know, use it as like an antiseptic or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the bees are the ones that actually like get it. Like you said, they use it to block off like spots for like ants or whatever. Um, but I just found it interesting that i mean the bees like they're getting it but how do humans get it and what is like the better way for the bees to get it and us to get it from the bees or get it from the flower or like <laughs> those are things that i was asking myself when i was listening to it because there's so many cool things i'm like whoa the bees already know it <laughs> yeah so it's actually something the bees produce and okay. 
it um, they use it for a few different reasons. One of them is hygiene. And mm-hmm. another one is they, they use it to glue things down that are loose. Um, for instance, uh, sometimes we come across hives that are in kind of loose brush. Their ceiling is kind of loose. They will go and they'll basically plaster the ceiling inside with this propolis to wow. just hold it in place so that it's stronger. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I just remembered the 55 gallon drum, plastic drum that we removed. Oh, yeah. The whole thing was like somebody melted down 40 pounds of candle wax on the ceiling of this this drum. It was so thick and it was Probably. really hard to remove. But um, And that takes a long time for them to actually build too. So it was a really old hive. 10 years. Yeah, yeah it was like a 10-year-old hive. Um, wow. But for us, I mean, we can just scrape it right off of wherever they're at. It comes off um, pretty easy when it's closing gaps. Um, oh. But I I just don't bother messing with it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't sound appealing to put. <laughs> if you yeah. saw it, you'd be like, it looks like a scab almost. So it's not <laughs> it's not appetizing to. Yeah, and I'm not sure how they process it either. Yeah, they have to break it down or like dehydrate it and powderize it. I don't. I've I've never messed with the stuff as far as like you mean human form. Like yeah, what you would use it exactly. <laughs> yeah, but um, but it's really cool. The when you yeah. when you take it up, it's um. It's just like thick, thickened molasses um, that kind of looks like a scab. Yeah, that's Yummy. interesting. Okay. Is that like what possibly like I know when they were like opening my drain thing, it kind of like they had to like unpeel this stuff. Like they kind of like sealed the whole thing shut. Mm-hmm. Totally. Is that what that is? It's like the glue that like because totally. they had to like pry it open. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When you see a beehive. Um, Sorry, when you see a beekeeper actually go to a hive that he hasn't opened in a while, or her, um, they'll take a tool and they'll go around the whole circumference of the lid just to part that thick glue, that propolis, so that they can crack open the beehive. Yeah, Leah, so you were talking about that viral video on our TikTok that you you saw? Yes. At the beginning of that video, you could see Jeff cutting through the propolis trying to unglue what they did yeah that's exactly i mean i was i mean i have to tell you like that it was just like a they're like yeah we'll, we'll be able to come tomorrow morning at 7 30 whatever it was like i had my mom come over my brother like we <laughs> all watched this from the window because it was like literally it happened to be a drain thing like directly outside my window and i was just like this is the most insane thing like the amount of bees that I mean, first of all, the amount of bees, like I had no idea. I thought maybe there was a little something. And just, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Like, are you scared of getting stung still or not really? I am because I developed an allergy uh, like a couple years ago. But um, I have since started bee venom therapy to desensitize my reactions, which has helped a lot. But I still suit up. I I don't really want to get stung because it's not fun for me. Whereas Jeff, he's been stung so so many times that it's his reactions are minimal. That's what I'm wondering. Is it something you could like? What would that be? Case habituate or adaptation? I'm trying to think. Desensitize. Yeah, desensitization yeah. and adaptation over time for sure. Yeah, I'm like, 
Because yeah. so you don't get like big welts anymore. I don't know. Uh-uh. Um, when I first started doing it, for sure. And one day I walked in and my forehead was just swollen to the point where I, I would do this and or I would smile and have no wrinkles. And um, that's amazing. Like E-talks. natural Botox. E-talks. She ruined the joke. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. My mom came up with that term because um, she was visiting in town, and I was like, uh, I was like, oh yeah, I just got stung on the forehead. She's like. Wow, you have no wrinkles. Betox. <laughs> Wait, that's like actually amazing if that works. <laughs> oh yeah. Little Temporarily. risky. <laughs> but it also must be painful. It's very you're like, <laughs> worth it. Beauty is pain. <laughs> I mean, I pay for it. No. Just like because I'm just like I also like I remember one time my parents thought I was a materialistic little brat. So they sent me on this outward bound program where you like hike 14 hours a day. And it was when I was 14. And just ironically, I got stung by like 14 yellow jackets at the same time. And I'm like, now I'm like petrified of bees because of it. But I'm like, you seem like so chill. Are yellow jackets the same as honeybees or no? No, they're in the hornet category. And they are feisty. For sure, they're they're feisty. And honeybees can be totally chill for some reason it, and every yellow jacket hive is basically mean like you don't want to mess with they are okay because i like i'm ever since then i'm like so petrified. you guys only do honeybees right yeah and we we've listened to some really interesting stuff about the benefits of wasps and yellow jackets for mm-hmm. n- like a natural pest control on crops and orchards so mm-hmm. The problem is we're not going to start rescuing yellow jackets until farmers are on board with having yellow yeah. jackets nests like placed in mm-hmm. a safe place on their property. And right mm-hmm. now, we don't know of anybody that's cool with that. So one of the things that I saw in the TED Talks that I was watching, because I like to prepare, um, and it made me so sad, was like they showed a picture of like produce. Like I live next to a really beautiful produce market and it's always filled with beautiful produce and they're like this is because of bees and then they showed a picture of it like empty basically if like the bee population keeps diminishing and dying and how important bees are for our produce and um just like how there's actually a thing i was watching that they i don't know if it's farmers or whatever in other countries where there aren't honey bees they have to pollinate the flower or the stuff themselves and they use a thing called a tomato tickler <laughs> i've never heard of this but it like have you yeah okay i just thought a it was funny but like and a person can actually do what a bee does but of course it's not going to do it nearly to the speed or fastness so the importance of you know keeping those flowers and planting flowers and keeping the honeybee population alive do you have any i don't know what are your takes on that well, yeah, totally. Um, honeybees produce a third of the food we eat, and they're considered livestock. So yeah. they're an extremely important part of our agricultural system. Um, so yeah. making sure that they're healthy is extremely important. Yeah. So I, there's there's parts of China where the, you know, Smog is just too bad. Like environmental conditions are so bad that honeybees just cannot thrive. And 
I've I've seen footage of that where it's just a lot of workers with little pouches carrying yeah. pollens and going to each flower bud and it uh, we couldn't do in the in the US I don't think because it would just be no. too expensive to pay people to do that yeah. but you know if we lost our honeybees we'd have to have a really good backup plan like robotic honeybees that could could fly around and do the same job which they're working on but obviously nowhere near close to finalizing so okay so let's say you get called to someone's house right first of all your your objective there is to find the queen bee right because that way they'll follow like cuz someone like me is calling like i don't want this on my property it's seeming dangerous right so you go and find the queen bee and where are you moving them yeah so once we've collected the queen bee and um the majority of the colony we actually relocate them and donate them to local beekeepers so we have a few trusted beekeepers that have apiaries which are just big plots of land like bee farms mm-hmm. out near um other farmland and that they they manage them okay it's interesting to think of like so does somebody have to manage the hive, like a human being? Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, no. <laughs> but <laughs> but to just ensure that they don't split in half and move down the street into somebody else's roof, if you're going to go to the effort of grabbing a beehive and relocating them and making sure that everybody's okay inside the hive, then you should probably hand them off to somebody that's responsible they can keep an eye on them, make sure they're thriving and that they're not splitting in half, moving down the street. Um, that way, neighbors don't get upset and we don't have, you know, crazy bee populations spreading. Yeah. I had a friend of mine. She was a beekeeper and she lived pretty like close to neighbors, right? She didn't have that much acreage, but she had a, like four hives and she was really responsible and great. But something happened in the hive got out and went across the street to her neighbors and they had kids and it was just like a nightmare and they tried like suing her and it was just like so so bad. Yeah, like wild beehives, they don't need honey beehives. They don't need managing. But when you are trying to keep them in a box, especially like in southern states, you need to manage them because if you're having them close to other hives, they can transmit diseases easier. But also it's really important – um, to make sure that they're not becoming aggressive and more defensive. We call them hot hives. So um, Spicy. Yeah, spicy. <laughs> well, okay, so let's say like you're, you're in San Diego, right? And you have someone who has land in Carmel Valley. I don't know. My cousins live there, so I'm just naming a place. <laughs> but do you not need them like in different locations to be able to um, pollinate like all over? Because if you're like moving them all to one location. Yeah. So honeybees aren't native to the Americas. So it's actually nice that we relocate them to kind of one location so that the native pollinators, the native bees in that area can thrive because there's a lot of competition when it comes to honeybees. They're so efficient and they do a really good job at uh, taking advantage of the resources in the area, which kind of harm the native population. So as far as 
pollinating, once we remove and relocate that honeybee colony, the native population will bounce back and take over. I'll, I'll also add that I don't think any number of bee rescue people in San Diego County can keep up with the number of just wild beehives that there are because you you're Marty. always going to have in San Diego County beehives that are living in like an old abandoned building down in a canyon uh, in a tree hollow that nobody cares about that's that are on nature trails and even just in people's houses where the people don't care about it there's plenty of jobs that we have per year that the hive has been there for years and so as long as they're there they can split sometimes twice a year in sunny san diego county so one hive is producing really three per year so or two plus the one that exists and it's just going to always kind of be a problem in the urban areas and suburban areas so I think we'll we'll always be dealing with bees where they're not supposed to be. I never heard the word. I didn't realize how many times we say the word bee until this episode. Like in like, <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, kind of a buzzkill. You, you need a counter. <laughs> I know we should have a counter throughout that. That's a good one. Uh, like a drinking game. <laughs> so is this like you guys live in? San Diego, right? I mean, I'm in Dallas. I found these bee things. But is this m- more common in S- San Diego or California? Oh, yeah. Well, especially Southern California, where we're at, Jeff. So there's multiple competitors that do what we do, like a lot, especially throughout the years. Um, it's just You're not it's Jeff just, and Julie. Yeah, it's, it's not just us. It's definitely increased. Um, and Jeff, on average, I think the last couple or few years, we've rescued and relocated around 500 hives a year and that's wow, just wow. jeff Fi- 500 was like, a really busy year that was the pandemic and the roads were very empty <laughs> that's more than days in a year <laughs> oh yeah for sure uh, um during the busy season i average about four beehives actually in my truck at the end of the day and, and, and they're oh, they don't go together or you shut them like how do they not co-mingle in the truck yeah, so each one is in a box and we cut doorways with ventilation screens on them so that they can't get out, but they can be perfectly happy and they're definitely separated hive from hive. They do not mix well usually. Um, sometimes we have to try and mix them, but we have to see if they're going to be okay with each other. We introduce them. If they start fighting, then that's it. We don't try to push it. Um, and beekeepers also do this when they're merging a hive and they have the convenience of doing it over a longer period of time, but right, you're like where they can get used to a, each other's smell basically. So other mm-hmm. beehives, they, they go off a of smell. If you don't smell like this hive, you're in the wrong spot and you need to get out or we're going to tackle and sting you. Case. Wow. This is a lot of. Like they like the, the bees are having to engage in a lot of discrimination and general, like, okay, hey, like you can sit with us. You can't. You smell. <laughs> you know? I agree. Like yeah. like dogs. Yeah. Whoa. I want to know um where people can find you guys and um like what, you know, what are the steps if they do have a 
a hive or they're finding bees, like how do they get a hold of you and um, all your handles and all that stuff. So tell us. Yeah. So if you're in San Diego, because we only we only yeah. work in San Diego County, um, mm-hmm. you can find us at San Diego Um, But if you're in another location around the nation and you have a bee issue, you just Google uh, bee rescue or bee relocation in your area and you should be able to find a few people to choose from and just make sure that they do live bee removals. Yeah, you'll have to go through some of their photos on their reviews or on their website. If uh, if, if you don't see a lot of live bees in their pictures, they're probably just faking it because um, legitimately some people just, yeah, some people just fake it. Um, ideally, they don't use vacuums, but still it's it's okay. It's not ideal. Um, so you'll have to suss them out once you start finding a few search results to see if they're like legit, you know, and you can find us on our socials. It's Mr. Dot Mrs. Dot B rescue. Um, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, YouTube, MySpace. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Wait, Julie, do you run all the socials? I do. do have someone? Yeah, I figured. I figured Jeff wasn't the mastermind behind the TikTok. Yeah, he doesn't know what's going on with TikTok. So when you no, said everyone we had- has to check it out because so cool. It's, it's like, like literally it's also cool. like a fun game because they'll like zoom in on like a hive, and then you're like looking at it, it, and like it just. I mean, to an outsider, you're like, okay, it's just like a shit ton of bees, and then they're like, can you find yeah. the queen bee? And then it's like a modern where's Waldo? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, like yeah. way harder because like, you know, like when you get like the hard edition Waldo book when it was like a million Waldos on one page. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what like when it wasn't just like him like walking around Egypt or something. This is like a million bees. And then they'll like point it out to you and you're like, I mean, I'm like, wait, that looks the exact same. So then I like sit there trying to like I'll freeze the video and be like, wait, what is different? So if anyone's looking for a healthy activity to do with your eyes, I recommend you go check them out. It's really amazing. And wow. save the bees. Plant more flowers and help save the honeybees so yes. that we don't lose a third of our produce. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plant native flowers. Wait, isn't yeah. it like save the bees, bitches? <laughs> yeah, save the bees. Bitches, bees. mean it. <laughs> I well, love it. Of, you guys are amazing. Thanks for all you're doing. Um, and we are so well, happy. Thank you for coming on. I literally, I'm telling you, I was like, bees, bees, bees is what we have to do. Bees, this is the topic. This is the topic. And so. So long, like she'll drop like just randomly in conversations. What about the bee people? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't heard from them. I'm not sure. We kind of dropped the ball and blah, blah, blah. And also, so I just want to say, Casey, just like toot my own horn toot, toot. <laughs> I bring topics to Casey and she'll be like, Why? Like, this is not behavioral. <laughs> I'm like, dude, bees are like so behavioral. Like, it's wild. Now, do you see it, Case? Always see it, girl. You always <laughs> wrong. Thank yep. you. Thank you. All right. Well, well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on and sharing. And hopefully any of you guys, you know what to do now and do the right thing when it comes to bees. Um, that's all we have for you today. Yeah, Be thank nice. you so much for having us. Yeah. And it's been really fun. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are great. Of course. But that's all we have for you today. So you guys know where to find us. You can find us on behaviorbitches.com. You could 
Find us on Instagram at Behavior Bitches Podcast, on Facebook at Behavior Bitches Podcast. You could always reach out to us through our website and tell us a topic that you'd love to hear, someone that you want to come on. If you're cool and you want to come on, don't be scared. We're pretty nice. So, and while you're just bored, killing time, go leave us a five-star review. In the Apple Podcast app, you could listen to us elsewhere, but only the only one that lets us leave reviews is Apple. So thanks for tuning in. As always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides the complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need super. him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him. And he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm-hmm.